Hi, and welcome to Voices of CFMA, Construction Financial Management Association's podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders sponsored by Old Republic Surety. I'm your host, Sal Marino, CFMA's Director of Communications. This month, I am happy to be joined by Brad Anderson of IMA Financial Group. Brad, thanks so much for joining me today. Yep, my pleasure, Sal. So why don't you tell everybody listening what you do? Uh, I represent a, a top 20 insurance broker in the market specializing in construction and real estate. Uh, IMA was a regional broker for uh, 30 years before we felt like being on the offensive was our next stage. Uh, our industry was going through a, an M&A process and the giants were getting bigger and uh, we decided that uh, we were going to go on the offensive and it's been great. We've become a top 20 broker. We're a full service broker that includes all lines of property casualty insurance. We own a wholesale brokerage. We have uh, an entire line for benefits. We have a uh, surety department. We have a wealth management division. Um, and we have recently gotten into the tech space and uh, have formed a partnership with some other groups around the country to uh, further develop technology in the space as well. So um, I love risk. I love that companies need to assess it and have strategy around it. And uh, construction uh, has been something that I've dabbled in for about 15 years in other areas and happy to have found uh, CFMA through that process. And uh, But my days are spent helping construction companies and real estate firms, you know, see around corners and uh, maybe present some solutions to them that uh, uh, to problems they don't even know they have. Awesome. And is this something you always wanted to do? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I, I still have no idea what I really want to do, Sal. Um, I, I, you know, I becoming a, a, a team member with the IMA group, who's now over 2000 uh, employees is just been a blessing. Uh, it's been a, a stepping stone of sorts. Like I just started out waiting tables and upselling drinks and desserts. And, you know, then I got into the vehicle and equipment leasing world. And then I got into, uh, I, I worked for a Volvo dealership at one point and developed an F&I department. And then I transitioned uh, into working with a uh, an entrepreneur who is starting a business in the industrial bolting world. And, and that's really when wow. I got a taste for safety because we were selling to refineries and chemical plants and natural gas compressor stations and people with just big nuts and bolts. Uh, and, and our service uh, and products were tailored to that industry. We didn't want things to explode. Right. right. Sure. In interesting story. Quickly. I was in that process down at a trade show in Baton Rouge and a guy who has these boxes, these containers, storage containers that you see come through on the ships. Um, he, he was renting those out of uh, Wichita, Kansas. And that's kind of my home base 
where I started my career. I live in Dallas now, but I was in New Orleans. Here's this Wichita-based company. They're peddling something to do with these crates, these containers. And I approached the guy and it was Jeff Lang. He was the owner of the company. I'm like, Jeff, what are you doing here? I'm from Wichita. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm from Wichita too. And I go, I know. And that's why we're talking. And uh, he, he said, he goes, I, my company was just renting these containers. And then suddenly I'm sitting with an engineer at the Texas Bay City Refinery. You remember, Brad, it exploded years ago. And I was like, I do remember that. He goes, well, he showed me an aerial view of the refinery before and after. And the only thing that stayed in the same, the place that it was before the explosion was this shipping container. And he said, I think we got something here, Jeff. And um, he ended up forming this uh, company that is now a client of mine at IMA that they provide blast proof containers all over the world to governments, uh, to, to just anybody who doesn't want their people and stuff to explode, you know, right. they want to protect their people. Um, a- anyway, it's kind of a, a funny way of answering your question, just to say, I had no plan, man. I just wanted to get a college degree, which I did. And then whatever happened after that, um, just that uh, you fell into place. I just wanted to treat people well, um, and, and it, that, that golden rule thing, right? Don't burn yeah. any bridges, treat people with respect. And, uh, you know, people came to me and they said, would you? And I, you know, said yes. And, and here I am uh, eight years later. And I hope this is it. I hope I retire at IMA. Awesome. Yeah. Golden rule. And also don't explode. Those two things <laughs> yeah. put together, right? <laughs> don't explode. Yes. Yes, I wake up every morning and I pray. I'm on my hands and knees. I'm please don't explode today. And who knows? <laughs> because it's it's post the post COVID world. Anything could happen. Right, right, right. right. That's so true. So, how did you get started with CFMA? Yeah, so I was in my early weeks of uh, the insurance risk management world and. Uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine that I had known through a Y men's club in Wichita, Kansas uh, was running the surety department for IMA. And, and he said, Hey, you want to go to lunch? And, and I said, yes, Brett, I would like to go to lunch. And so he took me to my first CFMA meeting in the Wichita chapter, which is a fantastic chapter. Um, and, and I was introduced to a great group of people, Um, I had uh, spent a little bit of time in that anti-blowing up world uh, with a group called the Southern Gas Association that I really liked too. And this just felt a lot like them. They were just down to earth people that uh, were running construction companies and they were controllers and they were CFOs. And I liked those people and they seemed to be uh, the circle that I needed to run within to kind of grow my business and um, I've, I've been a member now, um, uh, in the Tulsa chapter, the Oklahoma city chapter, uh, the Austin, Texas chapter. And now I'm on the board, uh, at the DFW chapter, which I believe is the third largest chapter, uh, in CFMA and soon to be number one for anybody listening out there in Denver or Phoenix. Shots fired. He's coming Shots for firing. you. Here we go. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Yeah, Um, Brett. I owe it all to Brett Burton. Great guy. He's now retired and sailed off to the sunset and I believe is doing expeditions out in like Africa or something like that. And, you know, sitting around eating bonbons. 
Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so September is Suicide Prevention Month, as you know, and you are a member of the Suicide Prevention Committee. And we talk a lot about mental well-being, mental health. Do you, in your opinion, is there more that can be done um, internally at organizations to handle mental mental health? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we talk about it enough. And I think it took uh, a global uh, pandemic for us to even have conversations because quite frankly, people um, came out of that uh, period of time uh, struggling, you know, Um, you know, sitting, sitting around it, staring at your own walls uh, for, for day after day, you know, we, we put people away that, you know, for doing bad stuff. Right. You know, and we go stick them in a room and have them stare at the same walls. I mean, interestingly enough, it just happened to the planet, you know, and and coming out of that, it just it 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 really shined a light on the craziness that goes on between people's ears. And and quite frankly, nobody's immune to it. I mean, you just look around the world right now and we can identify crazy everywhere. And it's a term that I use somewhat loosely, but you know, crazy can mean a lot of different things. And um it's it's not really fair. Uh, term, but it's a term that we, you know, throw around a lot. Like, God, man, that person just acts so crazy. Like we'll see him at a baseball game, 12 year olds going at it. And two moms are over there in the corner, just like thrashing each other because there was the call at third base wasn't great. Right. And um, you know, we call it crazy. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that we're all struggling with things uh, between our ears um, that are challenging and we we have these remedies that we uh, have developed that, that are supposed to help us manage. Um, a lot of people now take benzos, you know, or they take uh, gummies, you know, laced with THC, or they just get a box of wine, and you know that eases the pain of the craziness looping through the our brains and. You know, I, I, I it's all fine and dandy um, if it works, right? You know, um, I, I think that people going to get help uh, instead of doing those things, like actually going to get to the root of the cause, um, it is 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 over the decades that I've been around, it's just something you did behind closed doors. Like I don't want anybody to know I'm going to talk to the therapist. Um, but I think today uh, we we realize that we've just got a few things we need to look at. And um, in construction, uh, we've got uh, a male-dominated industry. Uh, we have a lot of machoism. Uh, we've got a lot of big, strong guys that are out there doing manual labor and they're building the things. And, you know, the last thing that those guys really want to be shown doing is walking into a therapist and crying into a Kleenex and saying, you know, I need some help. Right. Um, but the reality is, is that I don't care what sex you are and how large you are, you know, the human being is not immune to just struggling and trying to figure out how to make sense of the craziness of the planet. Right. Um, so as employers, I think as we've come out of the pandemic, it's just it's never been more important for us to realize that today, right now, we already have employees uh, in-house that are struggling with something. Um, and, and it could be 
uh, root cause death in the family. It lost a child, you know, five, 10 years ago. It could be alcoholism. It could be drug addiction. Um, it could be that, you know, quite frankly, you were in an automobile accident and you never recovered. You're just not the same. You know, everybody's got a story and there are a thousand of them out there. And the fact of the matter is, is that people need other people to help them build an energy that gets them through the day sometimes. Um, and, and in my opinion, and this is an opinion, I would like to see us move more towards working towards that and developing skills that you can do with other people or quite frankly by yourself that allow you to get through that stuff versus reaching for the box of wine, the benzos or, you know, the lace THC gummies. Right. So um, the uh, I think companies can do more. Um, I might beat you to the next question. Here's an, here's an example of uh, something that uh, our company IMA is doing that I have found to be very valuable. In fact, we started about six years ago, a gentleman that was in my position as a producer for IMA felt a calling, you know, he had had a great career and he said, listen, I've, I've, this has been wonderful, but there's something else. And, and what I'd really like to do is to talk to people. So before the pandemic, Brad, his name is Brad as well. Uh, he approached the executive team and said, hey, what do you guys think about a coach? What do you guys think about just somebody that the IMA family can talk to? And they, they all agreed it was a wonderful idea. He retired from that, transitioned into um, what we call basically a life coach. Um, and uh, prior to the pandemic, we, we had a guy that we could engage with, whether you were answering the phone for IMA, whether you were an A-type high you know, intensity person selling out in the world, or you had a book of business and it was a grind every month to get the renewals through, you had somewhere where you can turn. Well, it's been so successful that now with 2,000 employees, we have two of those people. And wow. it's, it's free of charge and uh, it, we don't pay for it. Uh, we can book whenever we want to, as often as we need to. So if you're going through something at home, we, you have the ability, IMA has provided people that we can talk to that are licensed, uh, that have had experiences in their lives that can share some empathy. Um, yeah. and, and I think that that's just one example of a way that uh, companies can support the people uh, that are already, you know, in the walls on the team. Um, but I also think that there's something else that construction industry can do with the folks that are out there that have, you know, recovered. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Well, you did beat me to the next question, but that's great. So you, it's basically you have like an in-house therapist that you can use whenever. Yeah, we've got a couple of them. Um, and then we've got other tools. You know, I a, another tool that I've heard thrown around lately, I was talking to a CFO of a large general contractor just Friday um, because I'd like to find a partner um, out here in the DFW market that we can really take this road, uh, this show on the road. I would like to educate um, other companies on the benefits and merits of having someone in-house that folks can talk to. And there are a lot of other tools. There's, there's a entity called uh, the chaplain, which is basically doing the same thing, but it's more formalized. They're just marketing it in a different way. You know, one of the things that people have had access to for a decade now is just the ability to call the 1-800 number 
Right. And, you know, through your health benefits and, and that's fine. That's great. But I mean, these tools are actually forming a relationship with somebody and, you know, people want to talk to people that they can trust, that they know that they, uh, that, that they know they're not going to turn around and, uh, you know, tell other people there's a confidentiality about this that I think is solid. And, um, you know, people who get to know you and it's the same person over and over again, but I going back to the champion, um, I'm really looking for ways, you know, there's a lot of folks on in, in the world that have recovered from something, right. Yeah. And they've, they've worked hard. They've worked hard to do that and they've had support, um, and, and they're not alone when they do this. Now they can gain skill sets that they can use when they're alone to get through a bout of anxiety right. or fear or something like that. But quite honestly, I think it takes, you know, a village and, and what I've seen work, uh, through, um, you know, anything that's been traumatic, anything that has been addicted, um, uh, that has an addiction, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's shopping, whether it's sex, well, there's so many things that we can get addicted to gambling, man. I watched a guy just completely blow hundreds of millions of dollars gambling. I mean, it's just bizarre what we, we can get addicted to. So I would like to see that pool of people that I, I am familiar with that have gone through hell. Let's just call it what it is. Right. And they have found a reason to thrive and they now have a community and a fellowship of people that are like-minded that have gone through a similar experience. And they, they are now jettisoning, you know, 180 degree about face back into the world. And I don't know of a group that's more grateful for being where they are. If they get employed, they're more happy than anybody else to be there. Because quite frankly, in their opinion, you know, they're just living on, you know, extra days here. So the um, I, honest, hardworking people that are full of gratitude for having been through it and, and trudged and, and come out uh, smelling like a rose. So um, I would like to see construction firms across the country not only recognize that they can do more for the people that are already there right but tap into a group of folks that could fill this labor shortage that we continue to talk about in the industry you know and and this might just be a a, a blip right i mean if, if, if one $500 million contractor hires three people, you know, and then provides the tools to help that make a more, a, a sticky situation, like we're going to support you, right? right? You know, you may be out of the ether about eight, eight months, 10 months, you know, you're doing well, but we recognize that, you know, that, that you don't have as much experience as someone who's been recovered for 20 years, Right that person with eight months might need a little bit more support, nothing that's going to be over the top and certainly don't have to single these people out, you know, in front of their peers, but just recognize that once we can get these people in and we can get them uh, fulfilling, you know, gaps, you know, skilled labor and, and we can support them, you know, two, three, four years down the road, we end up seeing that those people become the happiest they become, uh, a, a recruiting source for other people that are like them. 
they end up doing nothing but provide a more secure culture. Um, and, and, and I just would love to see, uh, I guess here's where, where I'm going with this, Sal. I would love for wherever this podcast is, is going to be broadcast out there to other folks, other general contractors that would be willing to sit down and have a conversation about the steps that we could take uh, to not only develop the people that are already struggling within the walls, but maybe find an avenue uh, to get out there and a partner uh, with nonprofits, uh, with 12-step programs, uh, with uh, other organizations that are trying to find catalysts for change in their industry. And I'd like to see the construction industry do that. That sounds awesome. How do we get that ball rolling? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, and I don't have the magic wand to tell you how it's going right. to happen, but I yeah. do know this, that um, a conversation between Brad and Sal yeah. that now can be broadcast to, to many, um, I think that that just keeps this conversation going. Uh, at the DFW chapter, well, here, let me even back up before I go uh, to the panel discussion we had. So I work with a group here in town uh, that's called the Dallas 24-Hour Club. And the Dallas 24-Hour Club is tailored to uh, supporting folks that are living on the streets that have had some type of uh, experience with addiction or alcoholism, right? And the goal is to bring them in and give them a place to, to sleep and some food to eat and get them on the path to recovery immediately. And there, there's accountability associated with that. Like there are internal meetings that take place at the Dallas 24 hour club. Uh, it's called the Ross street groups. And, and though they, they have to attend and they can work through these various phases where, I mean, you start off sleeping on the floor, Right. Right. But yeah. in a couple of weeks, if you've got a job and now you're doing something, you're flipping burgers down across you know, the street at the Hardee's, you know, and you're showing some gumption that you really want to recover and you want to get off the streets. Right. Then you move into a room with eight guys and you're now on in bunk beds. And 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 then there's a, a next phase that there's there's an apartment complex and it may take you six months to get to the apartment complex, but everybody in there is in recovery and now they're working and they're self-sufficient and they're off the streets. There's got to be places like that all over the country. And if there aren't, there should be. Right. So um, if, if you have more money and you know what to do with, and you're listening and you have a heart for folks that are struggling, you know, go, go do something like that in your community because it's changing lives here in Dallas. And we're seeing six to 800 people a year come through there. And, um, the guy that who's now the executive director of the Dallas 24 hour club started out sleeping on the floor, wow. you know, yeah. um, it's, so I would like to see that, um, there's got to be some community. First of all, there just has to be a, a, an empathetic heart. And then maybe the, a leadership style that is a little bit more servant-based, right? Like, yes, profits are great. And yes, we all need to make money. And yes, we have to pay everybody. But in the same time, since we're spending more time together at work with these folks than we are our own families back at home, right. let's support them in a way we'd like to support our own children, Right. This is our family. These are the people that go out there and build the buildings. They make it happen. So if you know that somebody's struggling, give them the tools, 
you know, and we'll help you. There's, there's coming out of this pandemic cell. We see this all over the internet right now. I mean, people are throwing out suicide prevention left and right. Well, quite frankly, it just starts with mental health mm -hmm. because mental health then transitions into addiction, which transitions into alcoholism. And we all know that wherever you travel with mental health might lead to suicide. Right. So I don't want to talk about suicide. I want to talk about the stuff beforehand. Right. So I want companies feeding the employees that are struggling initially, but I also want them to go out and support the organizations that are going to be an element of change before they even get in the door, you know, right. and maybe yeah. even, you know, go provide a segment into your own, uh, uh, um, cities and your own towns that, uh, you know, are, are a thriving group of people that are getting through whatever their struggles are. And you know what, and, and bringing them in house, you know, and, and, and so I go back to a conversation that um, the executive director uh, that is just retired from the Dallas 24 hour club was having with a developer here in Dallas. And, and there was a, you might remember that Dallas imploded a building and the only thing that didn't fall was an elevator shaft and it kind of was the leaning tower of dallas i don't know if you saw that two or three years ago but no, it okay. was just this structure that was kind of like the look looked like the leaning tower but it was an elevator shaft in dallas okay. i mean it was kind of cool so anyhow when when this developer swept that lot to clear and bulldoze they had they displaced the homeless you know, right. and she felt terrible about it. She yeah. felt terrible about it. Where are these people going? So she's talking to the executive director, this developer and the executive director talking about, hey, we need to do something. Lo and behold, this developer is doing a home remodel and this HVAC company comes in. This guy is just dynamic and he's fun and he's engaged and he's helpful. And this woman uh, in Dallas, who does development for a living, is talking to this guy who is an HVAC employee, and they hit it off. And what she ends up finding out is this guy had been a product of the Dallas 24-hour club, okay, had gone through the process, had gotten back into a consistent lifestyle where he was self-sufficient and sober, Right. He found an HVAC company that only hired sober people and everybody in that company is in recovery. And these wow. two hit it off. So my developer friend, Anne Marie comes back to Marsha, the executive director and says, what do we do? Well, the director of the Dallas 24 hour club calls me up and says, Brad, you're in construction, right? And I said, I absolutely am. She goes, I got an idea. And I said, hit me with it, Marsha. So we started talking about this. And then we grabbed another general contractor here in Dallas that had a safety manager that had a heart for helping his own guys, right? You know, that were struggling. And, and so we, we formed a panel discussion at uh, the DFW chapter earlier this year that consisted of the executive director of the Dallas 24-hour club, uh, Anne-Marie, who w helps run the development company, the executive director of the suicide, uh, North Texas uh, Suicide Prevention Center here in Dallas, 
and then the safety director for a general contractor. And Sal, I'm not kidding. The conversation that started in that room and the energy that was created, we had people coming up after and saying, we need to do more. You guys need to keep talking about this. I had this CFO, this large company that we could, we all know about, came up to me and said, I don't know what you're doing. This is different than the suicide prevention talk we've been hearing three or four years. Keep going down this road, Brad. This is good. So that's what I'm doing. How it happens, I don't know. Yeah. This, you know, how we get from A to Z, Sal, I don't know. But we're just going to keep talking and we're just going to keep having the conversation. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll turn around someday and there will be a small blip of change that has occurred in this industry. And, you know, some people will look back and say, hey, I heard that podcast that Sal did, you know, with Brad four years ago. You know, that was meaningful. Well, that's the goal, right? Any little thing we can do to break the stigma or get people talking or right, just keeping the subject forefront. Let's transition a little bit uh, into advice, since this has really all been advice, but advice you might have for somebody who is new to the industry. Do you have any? Yeah, that's a... That's a, a great question. Um, I, I represent a small segment, although a very important segment of the industry in insurance and risk management and surety and benefits. I mean, there are just so many uh, ways for individuals these days to get involved in construction. Um, what I see happening uh, in the marketplace is that we have fewer, and I, I know this because I have a 26-year-old, a 24-year-old, a 23-year-old, a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 10-year-old, um, that I see kids uh, not as focused on college anymore. Like, and, and, I, and I'm okay with that, just yeah. as long as that kid is steered in the direction of finding purpose somewhere, right? Yeah. And there's there's a lot of great work that the uh, construction industry is doing right now in, in in even middle schools, but yet high schools, right? And in giving these kids a vision for what's possible, I think just collectively, um, uh, our, our our the work that we're putting into the youth to give them a vision, I think is going to help us in the future better acclimate people into recruit and then acclimate them and make it more sticky in the future. They're already going to have an understanding of construction with some of these um, services uh, that are out there speaking into uh, 16, 17, 18 year old kids that, man, as soon as that bell rings at three o'clock on Thursday and they're out, you know, senior year, what's next? They got to yep. go work. Right. Yep. Um, and, and so I think that there's lots of opportunities um, now for those folks to answer your question that have come on board. Um, I think that um, I think the best advice that you can give anybody in, in any anywhere at any time is to just go in and be honest and be open-minded and be willing right. and, 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 and then just kind of let the energy of the world take care of it from there. Right. Just go in and treat people the way you want to be treated. And, and the answers will come. 
right as they say yeah is that the dalai lama i don't know who that is the answers will come maybe it's <laughs> it yoda maybe it's yoda. i don't know <laughs> it would have to be backwards if it were yoda but yeah 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 that's right that's right um so i i just think that you go in and in 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 because i have these kids and because i experienced this myself i was 24 once and and i wanted to know it all and i wanted you to know that i knew it all and that didn't work right because i didn't know anything the older i get the less i know um and and so to just go in and be humble and and know that the grab a hold of a mentor find somebody that you like you know that you yeah. get along with and just partner with them and just keep talking to them and use that person as a uh, a sounding board and 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 get involved with what they're involved in and uh you know and if you don't like what they're involved in you know pivot to whatever it is that's really draw you know drawing you in and and just go in and do it and know that there's fear associated with all of that and and we don't always know you know, what we're getting into and, and that we don't have to be perfectionist and do it right. I just think that, um, we, the, the greatest gifts people can get at that age are the mistakes we make. And when you make those mistakes, you now have experience that others don't have because they had so much fear that they didn't even take the risk. But if you go in there and you know that you're going to take the risk and you're going to stumble and you're going to fall, get back up and go more and have that person help guide you. Uh, and be honest and be open-minded and be willing. And um, man, I don't, I don't know of another industry that I don't care what's going on in the world. There's always going to be a need for folks in this industry. Yep. And, you know, whether it's you, Sal, helping support the industry, whether it's me helping support risk management strategy for the industry, whether it's the accountants, you know, whether it's the architects, you know, it, they're just, there are a bazillion ways that you can get into construction and not necessarily have to swing a sledgehammer. And that's important too. And we, we need to keep that message going that there's it's there's just so many different aspects of it. I watched a uh, robot hang glass, do curtain wall on the Space Needle in Seattle. I've watched robots take down buildings. I've watched robots hang drywall. So you tell me that that kid, that 14-year-old, you know, playing Mortal Kombat or whatever he's doing with that joystick and, you know, 100 miles an hour with his thumbs, um, you know, maybe he could, you know, sit in the cab of some robot one day and, you know, build a building himself. I don't know, you know, who knows where we're going with this, but I think there's something for everyone these days, for sure. I agree. So on the theme of suicide prevention and mental well-being and self-care, uh, my self-care looks like movies and TV shows and books. What's your self-care routine look like? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, and and man, I hope everybody finds uh, something that provides them a little peace. Um, I've had some good mentors along the way that I met when I was real young, and one in particular. Uh, taught me uh, the gift of meditation and breathing. 
And I've spent my entire adult life learning how to pay less attention to the squirrel cage between my ears. Because what I found early on is that 95% of the crap that goes on between my ears is all BS, you know? (laughs) And so I need to find that 5% that's really worth listening to. And I think that takes practice. I think that uh, there's an almost even an art to it. Um, But I, you know, I got a, uh, uh, I, he, Terry just said, man, focus on the, the breath on the tip of your nose and close your eyes. And when you find yourself out uh, in uh, uh, a fear thought, you know, pop, pop the bubble um, and, and get back to your focus. And the focus is on the breath on the tip of your nose and let's stay there. And, and, and that today I can do that and I can stay there for 10, 20, 30 minutes. Right. But man, when I first started that, I couldn't do it for 15 seconds. Right. And I'll give you a, a, one of my best friends on the planet, Brian, he, uh, I, I think he stole this from somebody, but visualize a, a fish tank. Um, and there's always the treasure chest in the fish tank, right? And the treasure chest is popped open. And the jewels are falling out and the bubbles are coming up. Right. And, um, you know, you think about, a a fish, you know, immersed in the water and it's just kind of swaying through the currents and, you know, it's just surrounded by its environment and what it knows and it's just comforting. And they feel like, you know, they're just a part of something and the fish just looks comfortable. And then all of a sudden that fish gets caught in one of those bubbles coming out of the treasure chest and the water's no longer around them and they no longer feel comfortable. And they're lost in this like space of like, I don't know what the heck's going on, but I don't like it. And I don't want to be here anymore. And then all of a sudden pop, they're right back into the water and life is good again and it feels all right. Well, that's, that analogy is our brain. So when we get caught in one of those bubbles and we get into this fear-based thinking of like, I'm not good enough, or I'm not going to do it, or this isn't great enough, or I'm going to lose that, or I'm never going to get that, blah, 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 blah. And it all happens, you know, as, as quickly as you can reel in a rod, right? I mean, those thoughts are going hundred miles an hour. When you can pop those fear bubbles and not get caught going down that path and just get back to where you are which is where your feet are. Mm-hmm. Well, Ram Das wrote the book, Be Here Now. Why not be here now? Because all that other stuff, you're either fearing something that's never going to happen or it's in the past and there in the damn thing you can do about it. So, yep. man, that's my practice. I just, that, um, and that has exploded and grown into so many different things that I do, you know, I, it, and there's been other things that I've gotten uh, a hold of, running, exercise, eating well, um, you know, the honesty, the open-mindedness, the willingness, all of that stuff is just, those are tools that help me stay present and in the moment and not dysfunctional and not agitating, you know, the energy of the planet, whatever that is. And I don't right. even know what to call it, but, um, I just try to stay in the middle. Um, and, uh, man, sometimes breathing, uh, is the best tool for me. So that's great. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, Brad, we could stay here all day, I feel like, and it would be a great conversation. But um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign off? 
Uh, other than just like, I, I assume there's going to be people from all over CFMA uh, listening to this, the fives, the tens of them. I don't know how many people are listening to this, Al, but we're going to um, try to get to 25 to that. 25 would be, yeah. 25 yeah, would be, be awesome. Um, and, and maybe one of those 25 has heard something today that uh, has been a spark and maybe that spark will become a catalyst and maybe that catalyst will actually end up developing into some change. And I'd like to see some action taken uh, by some of the, 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 the specialty contractors and the great GCs that are represented in our general membership. And uh, I'm just an associate member that's willing to put in some heart and some energy into something that's near and dear to mine uh my heart and so if there's others out there that kind of feel the same uh they know where to find me in the directory and uh, i'm open to conversations about this at any day of the night so that's awesome. it that's great well brad thank you so much this has been a pleasure thank you sal appreciate you